This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. All right. No, so, they can't um, have that. so let's go uh, back here. Was there anything else in the first part of this? Um. I mean, I highlighted some stuff here. So basically, there's this uh, this um, paper, I guess, call you know from some professor, <laughs> first name Mustafa uh, <laughs> Mo- Moini, uh, professor of economics at Oklahoma City University. They argue that money has never actually been a commodity or a thing. It has always been merely a relation, a legal agreement credit, debit arrangement, and acknowledgement of debt owed and a promise to repay. Uh, contrary to popular belief, money did not begin with gold coins and evolved into sophisticated accounting systems to begin with an accounting system and evolved into the use of precious metals, coins. What was the accounting system? Wait, uh, let me see here. I was just writing a note down on something I wanted to ask you. So it says money began as an accounting system and evolved into the use of precious metal coins. What was the accounting system? It was called the scale. Ah, a scale to weigh the coins? (laughs) Or weigh whatever, bread, whatever. I mean, that's just, that's, anyways, uh, there's not a whole lot in this document. It's just related to the other document. Not a whole lot different. Okay. So we've got everything in here. Now, folks, just so you know, because this will be over at uh, pain.tv slash gold soon. Oh, so 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 scroll back up. Where I where you see those yellow boxes? Yeah. Those are comments I made. So if you put the cursor over those. Okay. Bank scheme number one. So let's read this. Before 1971, international trade balances were cleared interchangeably with U.S. dollars and gold. The dollars were considered as good as gold because the U.S. had agreed to redeem them for gold on demand. But the Vietnam War drove the country heavily into debt, and French President de Gaulle, seeing the U.S. was spending far more than it had in gold reserves, cashed in $300 million of France's U.S. dollars for gold, seriously depleting the U.S. gold reserves. <laughs> so, I, just a hunch, I have a hunch that one of the reasons they, they went into the Vietnam War was to purposely get rid of the gold standard so they can print a whole lot more fiat currency. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Bank scheme number one. Okay, scroll down. I got another one right there. Uh, I can't read it. Bank scheme number two. <laughs> In 1974, the price of oil quadrupled following an oil embargo along with the clandestine agreement between Henry Kissinger and the Shah of Iran. In 1975, an arrangement was finalized in which, in return for military protection, and an engineered 
uh, boost in oil prices, the oil-producing countries of OPEC would sell their oil only in U.S. dollars. The dollars would wind up in Wall Street and London banks and would fund the burgeoning U.S. debt. The upshot was that the countries without sufficient dollar reserves had to borrow from Wall Street and London banks to buy the oil they needed and create the debt, the original debt trap. <laughs> that is classic. Henry Kissinger. <laughs> Wow! Yeah, he was just yeah. the messenger. He wasn't. He wasn't the mastermind. Ah, uh, no. Was, but he, I mean, he's written some pretty crazy papers over time, though. Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, All I think right, there's so another. We... Here's another one. Okay, what's this one say? This is bank screen bank scheme, scheme three. number three. And here's Bretton right, Woods, so... which we talked about on here. Yeah, bank scheme number three is in the plan proposed by Keynes, every country would have an overdraft facility in its bank or account at the International Clearing Union, equivalent to half the average value of its trade over a five-year period. To keep countries from abusing this facility, any country racking up a large trade deficit would be charged interest and other penalties. And so would any country with a bank or credit balance that was more than half the size of its overdraft facility. If this credit balance exceeded the total value of its permitted overdraft by the end of the year, the surplus would be confiscated. <laughs> oh my God. The nations with a surplus would thus have the power and have a powerful incentive to get rid of it. And in the process would automatically clear other nations deficits. <laughs> Folks, if this isn't obvious by now, who runs the world? I, we can't help you. It's the <laughs> banks. It's the banksters. <laughs> that's crazy, man. That that's so funny because uh, I mean you're a hundred percent right, and that's what I was pointing out to everyone. It's like you you got the central bank in all but what nine territories now, and when yeah. you listen, well, when you listen to the central bankers on those panel discussions. They come out right away. They just say, we operate in a world currency system, right? So whether there's different sovereign currencies in different countries that are all under the central bank, the World Bank umbrella, they talk about it right now. They say, we're in a world currency system. They don't, it's, it, to them, you can, you can have monopoly money. You can have dollar bills. You can have, yeah, they look at it. It's all one and the same. They don't really care. They really don't. As long as they control They it. don't care. And the bankers... They, I mean, this is so obvious in some of these documents, but it's also, you know, obvious in uh, Anthony Sutton's book. The bankers, if you control the money, the creation of money, the distribution of money, uh, the printing of money, if you control that, you control the government. You could care less if it's a democracy, socialist country, communism, dictatorship. You could care less. Yeah. Oh, that, no, that's 100% true. I mean, and that's the whole thing where I talk about it from the uh, technocracy perspective, that we live in these quasi-technocracies where there's the illusion of a representative government, illusion of a parliamentary system, an illusion of a dictator. But at the end of the day, if it's run by the technologists, the scientists, the engineers, and you're operating under this technological system, it is a technocracy. It, it's just that those people just create an illusion. And I think what's happening over the last five or six years is the veil is being lifted. I don't necessarily believe it's because of independent journalists. I think it's because the system itself wants the veil lifted. I don't think they want to play games hiding anymore. They want to just be able to operate out in the open and just say, hey, I mean, 
we're a technocracy. Screw you. What do, what do, I mean, what, what, you, have, you well, can't do anything think, about it. Think about, so, okay, we talked about this uh, CBDC and the microchip in your hand and, and UBI and carbon credits and all that. If you know the end game, it's easy to see what's happening tonight, today is leading towards the end game. What is technocracy in relation to politics? What is it? They don't want any politicians. Right. They want like the governance administrators. I mean, somebody's got to run the fire department, right? They want that, but no elected officials anywhere in the world, that, like the EU. And you, you recently had Poland's uh, prime minister come out and say, we want, to, we want to get rid of this 27-member state run by an unelected bureaucracy and go back to the countries that we had before. Um, so, so technocracy is no politicians running anything. It's them running the system, the governance worldwide, no politicians involved. So, okay. Yeah, That's it's just a, yeah, it's just a bureaucracy with no illusion of uh, right. uh, elected officials, basically. Right. So it took me a little bit to figure this out, but I heard Catherine Austin Fitz uh, earlier this year say this a couple of times, and you know, because her and Titus go through um, some articles, you know, three times a month on a weekly basis, three times a month, and um, she made a comment that I don't know, it was either something. Trump did or Biden did or whatever, she made this comment that um, this is defacing the brand. And, and again, she's always talking at a million foot level, so you have to listen enough, often enough to be able to figure out what she means by that and break it down into you know real-world solutions or real-world world action. So listening to it a few times, uh, she said it a couple times this year, and it makes sense now, right? So when we have the office of the president it can you can argue either side of the aisle. You can argue that in the last six years has been ridiculous. Whether you're on the right or on the left, if you're on the right, you're saying the last two years have been ridiculous. If you're on the left, you're saying the four years before that was ridiculous. That we had a clown in the, in uh, occupying the White House. That's defacing the brand. If you make the politicians so clown-like and idiots then it's a reason for the technocrats to come in and say, hey, these politicians really aren't cutting it. They're not doing well. Uh, they suck. They're terrible. We have to take over. Yeah, you are correct. No, I mean, that that is 100% correct. And there's a guy that comes out of the Peter Theo camp. Again, one of these guys funded by Theo named Curtis Yarvin. I spent a few shows on him. And the writings uh, that this guy has, you know, he's one of these tech, technocrat, uh, technologists, Silicon Valley guys, but he's also into political ideology. And their whole idea is a techno-fascist king, basically a monarch. They're, they were in trying to encourage, again, this guy's under Peter Thiel's uh, umbrella, trying to encourage Trump to run as that for the 2024 race. They wanted him to do it in 2016 and 2020, but they want to have this idea this monarch who claims that he's going to get to Washington, shut down Congress, shut down the courts, get rid of the states, concentrate all power under this techno-fascist king. Um, and again, like you could say the guy's a crackpot. Well, he's a crackpot funded by a multi-billionaire who gets tens of billions of dollars in government contracts every year. So it doesn't he even could matter be a crackpot, but these guys are real. You know, they're real. It doesn't matter who he's funded by because the banksters will put in into power whoever they want. They'll funnel the money through Thiel or whoever, but it, it's not Thiel's money. 
it's not Thiel's money that he just like George right, Soros has spent those yeah. billions and billions of dollars on all these NGOs. It's not his money. It's not his personal money. Okay. So the banksters will put into place whoever. Look, I'm not into politics. I, I didn't even know anybody that was up for re-election or election in the Senate or the House this year, except for listening to Mike's show. And I hear about Pennsylvania and Fetterman. And I see clips of Fetterman. Okay, the guy's an idiot. The guy's a dope, right? And I don't care what side of the aisle is he on. You cannot make a rational argument that he needs to be representing the people of his district. Nor Oz, who he's running against. So... Or odds. It doesn't Either matter. Them. It was okay? a clown but show. It was the, a clown this circus. Is why the, this is why the plan is so obvious. Mm -hmm. To just elect people that are willing to do their bidding to pass what they want passed. The banksters want to de degrade the brand, so to speak. Just put clowns in there. These yeah. people that are clearly inept. Yep. Clearly. To the point where you'll, like care. you said, to the point where you'll accept anything they offer, whether it be technocracy, right. a techno-fascist king, whether it be right. government by artificial intelligence, whatever they decide is going to be what they're going to offer, they want to, you're correct, debase the brand and totally, this is why they've, I believe the Trump presidency, part of it was about lifting the veil on corruption, yeah. criminality, treason, sedition, so that people would eventually accept it. Now you go, oh, the FBI is corrupt. What am I going to do about it? The DOJ is corrupt. What am I going to do about it? And before you know it, you just accept the whole system is rotten to the core. So that allows someone to come in, whether it's through the image of a man or artificial intelligence or whatever, and offer you a solution to this problem, this disgusting rot. Global that governance. Rules over you. That's the, they're, they're creating the problem of the politicians. Right. Just and like it's, the, it's, the crime in the cities that we talked about yesterday, they're letting the crime happen. So they can roll out the surveillance cameras to protect everybody. Exactly. And, and this is how people know it's all fake. Because the solution, like I keep saying, when they create the problem, they provoke the reaction, they offer the solution. In anything, you can look at it this way. The solution is always more, right? So problem with central banks, solution is more central banks. Problem with government, solution is more government. Problem with technology, solution is more technology. This is how they do Because you know what the real solution to a rotting government is it's you know what we're closing down washington dc we're going to break up the union all the states get their rights back and then you fight it out within your states and before you know it uh power gets returned down to your county level down to your city level down to your town level and that would be the best form of government you could actually have but that's never going to be interestingly for the folks that don't know Catherine's story she was an investment banker went to Wall went to Washington to be number two at HUD, Human uh, Housing and Urban Development, and was running systems in HUD to figure out how the government could make money on the mortgages that they were you know, through FHA, et cetera, right? And uh, she was told, well, if we do it that way, there's not enough money for our friends, i.e. corruption, you know, paying their buddies off. And uh, so she left because she was frustrated and she couldn't even get the document she was legally supposed to have because the whole accounting system at that time in the early 90s was actually run by Lockheed. Oh, Martin. the accounting system was right. Yeah, I yeah. think I watched the video. The contractor, her right. They yeah. wouldn't give her the stuff. Anyway, so she goes and she builds, <laughs> she builds a software program to drill down to the local community level and, and ferret out where every federal dollar is spent so you could physically see the corruption. 
uh-huh. and she and it would show how if you got rid of that communities could be enormously wealthy if you cut out the corruption and then they raided her and took her computers and oh that's what like actually happened to Catherine. that's what happened and she had like a 10-year fight with the doj and won oh wow okay i didn't i knew i knew part of her story but i didn't know that oh that's interesting yeah wow all right, let's look at this one. This is next after the Tesla stuff. We've got a new national strategy to reflect natural assets on America's balance sheet. I can already see this is going to be great. Yeah, so again, folks, uh, if this is your first show, if you didn't go back and listen to 8088 and 120 from yesterday, we're going to bounce around a little bit talking about uh, you know CBDCs and the green grift and the climate hustle and the natural assets scheme. This natural asset is, you know, we, we briefly touched on it on one of the documents yesterday where they they want to include nature, the nature economy into the actual numbers of GDPs of the countries in the world. And they value it at like $125 trillion annually, some crazy stupid number. <laughs> so, yeah. But people don't remember in 2019, uh, the New York Stock Exchange had a massive announcement. They created a new asset called a natural asset company. And they even had them ring the bell you know, that morning and so forth. It was a big thing. And then crickets until recently. And so now you know, okay, why? Well, why did they create these companies? <laughs> well, they're going to take over 30% and then eventually 50% of nature and put it in these natural asset companies and IPO and make a ton of money. That's the Cliff Notes version. Anyways. So, uh, all right, so I'll just start reading here. Um, On Earth Day 2022, the president of the U.S. signed an executive order charging us to develop guidance to better account for nature and its benefits in federal decision-making, leading to the first government-wide natural capital accounts. Okay, I'm going to pause right there, folks. President Biden... Not him, nor anybody in the executive branch, nor anybody in the legislative branch of the United States came up with this idea. It's in the BIS documents. Period. Yeah. Who runs the country? Exactly. They're salespeople. D.C. is salespeople. They're selling what the banksters want. All right, we'll continue. (laughs) <laughs> let me see if i can these natural I, I want to get that point loud and clear these are not they did not originate in dc they did this this natural asset accounts did not come from dc did not originate in dc did not originate with some ngo uh that that sits in lobbies uh, organizations in dc it came from the bank of international settlements yeah That's and fine. we t- and yeah and we talked about that yesterday just how the light was uh, shined on all of this, how bills were written in general during the Affordable Care Act under Barack Obama, uh, when it all yep. came to light and people said, wait a second, the politician isn't actually sitting in his office with a pen writing a bill. This is why if you understand what's actually happening, and, and I have friends of mine that have pretty big YouTube channels that still do straight like conservative 
you know, Sean Hannity type politics. And they're on there every night. They get tens of thousands of people listening, screaming about AOC did this and so and so did that. Maxine Waters this. And I remember back when they were doing it with the whole new, uh, the Green New Deal. And I'm sitting there going, dude, this AOC, this 12 year old girl, is not sitting in a room writing the Green New Deal. Why? You guys don't even bother to peel back the layers of the onion to look at where this stuff actually is coming from. AOC or some other she's guy who takes her place, she means nothing. No, she's, she's an actress. She's literally an actress who sits there, and her yeah. job is to sell it to the base and to make all the people yeah. on the right mad and upset about it. That's it. That's all these people do. That's all they are. Yep. Like you said, they're used car salesmen. That's it. Yep. The, and that look, th- that doesn't mean there's not one or two good people that go to DC and try to do good, but you know, by and large, they're salespeople. Uh, yeah, okay, so yeah. these can, these natural capital accounts will measure the economic value that natu- that natural resources provide to society and illustrate how a robust economy depends on a healthy natural environment. I just scroll down. I don't need to read the next paragraph. So, by the way, folks, what they're doing is they're creating a draft of uh, national strategy for 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 this stuff on how to create it and how to measure it and how to monitor it. Um, yeah, so this is all similar to uh, yeah, yeah, and this is similar to recently I uh, covered uh, Biden's like executive order, and then there were a few other documents connected to it and research papers and these type of things on central bank digital currency and examining it and setting up this committee, that committee, this thing, that thing that's going to look into X, Y, and Z, and then that committee will report to this committee. It's the same thing. Like when I read that to you guys, I said, do you really think Joe Biden was sitting in his office writing this with a staff? Like this came from BIS. This came from the World Bank. This came from the IMF. This was not something that Joe Biden and and whether it was Joe Biden and this is the truth like whether there's Joe Biden or whether it was President Trump this would have happened regardless yep that's right doesn't matter who's sitting in the White House all right so that's it on this one right correct all right so you want to look at this article 173 of the French energy transition law sure and again, so I have red here. I think this one's mo- mainly because the doc, the PDF document has a lot of green on it already. So um, it's not that it's necessarily overly important. But anyways, okay. So um, this doc, this Article 173 of the French Energy Transition Law, this is dated April 2016, aimed at channeling funds to the law on energy transition and green growth. Article 173 of the law introduces, for the first time, disclosure requirements for asset owners on their management of climate-related risks and, more broadly, on the integration of social environmental parameters in their investment policies. Now, what does that mean? So if you're a company, a publicly traded company, you got to start, you got to create a whole new department to, to monitor, measure, and, and, and make announcements on this stuff to follow the new regulations. The transition to a low carbon economy is possible only if we can finance this deep-seated transformation. (laughs) We need money. We need lots of money. So climate reporting for large investors, there's a whole section on that. And, And Jim, let me just ask you here. 
to clarify for the audience, we've talked about it a few times and some of the stuff we talk about on the phone and then it doesn't make it to air. But you have all these layers and layers upon layers of organizations and NGOs and think tanks and war rooms and policy wonks and all this different stuff going on, uh, all stemming from the top, really with BIS being the head of the spear. And then everything sort of comes down like an umbrella, right? With all these, there's got to be thousands when you get down to the think tanks and the, the NGOs, and all these things. I, I, gave up, I gave up going down rabbit holes, thousands of them. Yeah, I mean, there, there's been people in the audience that have asked me with all the stuff I've talked about in 120 episodes, like, can you start doing like Glenn Beck in the old days with the chalkboard and drawing all this? I said, listen, I, I mean, I could not draw all this out for you. Like every single person or rabbit hole we go down would have 6,000 circles on it. This is what I talk about when I say the culture of technocracy. This is a culture now. And as Jim has pointed out with just using the climate hustle, it's a giant grift, the whole industry is completely fake i mean it's real there's money being generated in it but it's based on a false pretense the whole industry it's based on, it's based on bad science bad science and it's it's based on an industry in which they know they can never actually achieve the goals that they sell on television they can't replace fossil fuels with uh, solar and wind it can't be done they admit it can't be done but what i was going to ask you is do you think a lot of this stuff and I've asked you before, but a lot of this stuff never actually gets done, gets implemented as part of this, just creating this illusion and then creating chaos around it. And then the eventual goal is they're going to end up saying, it can't be done. You, the folks out there failed. Your pieces of crap because you use plastic bottles and you didn't buy enough EV cars. We're going to just fold this tent and move you into this central bank digital currency carbon system. Do you think that's 5, 10, 15, yeah. 20 years down the road where they're going to go? And right now they just allow this to continue or do you think everything we're reading about everything that you have highlighted is actually going to be put into action and eventually become some sort of policy or law no i don't think everything we you know is going to be implemented and active but i think the enormity of the groups is on purpose just like when they talked about how you know 2000 scientists and the ipcc agree that climate change is real and co2 is the problem it's all man-made uh, which was really not true. That was pointed out in the documentary um, that we mentioned the great the global what the great global uh, warming swindle. Um, you just look at the mountain of organizations and reports and documents. What's on the other side? Me? You? Yeah. Uh, I, I think it just. For the for the average person, it's, it just goes comes down to social engineering. The average person not digging into the details is going to see the mountain on their side and very little on our side, and go, "Well, the mountain side is probably correct." Yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. So, so that, so yeah, so you believe though that they don't necessarily have to pull all this off in the end. No, and for folks that want, you know, like you, you, you to chalkboard this stuff out. Look, I've seen documents where there's an organization that I've never heard of, like the High Ambition Coalition. That's how I found the 30 by 30. I, the, a BIS document re referenced the High Ambition Coalition. I had never heard of the High Ambition Coalition, so I go look them up. And that's where I found the 30 by 30 thing. Um, some of these documents at the end or somewhere in the BIS, one of the BIS documents, they had a, a group of like 
listed like 20 different organizations. Some of them sounded interesting. I looked them up. And then I, I ended up going down more rabbit holes. And then finally, I'm just like, look, the theme is the same. The, 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 the message is the same. The information is largely the same. Who cares whether it comes from organization A, B, or C? Yeah. Oh, then let me point this out because I think this is important. So there's a guy that I used to do. Um, he was a political ally back when I was doing stuff in New Haven in 07, 08. And he's always worked in and out of nonprofits. He came from the Democrat side, but he was a reasoned guy, uh, was against the illegal immigration stuff I was fighting in New Haven. And he 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 wanted a, a battle with the mayor that I was fighting. So enemy of my enemy was my friend. Anyway, it's funny. I, I still follow him a little bit on Facebook to see what he's up to. Now he's working for some green uh, nonprofit in New Haven, and I see him posting stuff on Facebook, right? It's all these talking points that we see. Now, myself personally, I never found this guy to be necessarily a grifter. Like, uh, I think he was always thought he was actually fighting for the right reason. So a guy like him, I know he hasn't gone through all this. I know he doesn't listen to shows like this. And I know he has no idea. He probably actually believes all this stuff is real. And he's working at this job. And he's probably making 125000 a year working inside this nonprofit. And he's just regurgitating the crap that's coming to him through his fax machine or his email. And he's just going, listen, we're fighting this. And we're going to get the solar panels installed. And he really thinks that he's actually fighting against uh, pollution. But this is the point of all this, because that one guy, there's 25 million of that guy around the planet now running around inside of nonprofits thinking he's fighting, you know, climate change or global warming, which is what makes it real. It's not just that. It's I mean, that's 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 a big part of it. But think about it. The, the marketing by behind changing the term climate global warming to climate change was brilliant. Of course, the climate changes. It changes every day. So anybody not digging into the details is going to disagree with you. They literally will say, you don't believe climate change is real? It's like, you know, when they say the, the UN says they want to, the World Economic Fund, we want to end poverty. Well, if you're if you're against that, that does that, does that mean I don't want to end poverty? Exactly. It's the marketing is genius, right? And so if people that aren't digging into the details will say climate change is real. If you ask them, because the way the media portrays storms now, okay, hurricanes, etc., if you ask them, the average person on the street, you know, next time you're at a dinner party or whatever, if you if you bring it up or find an opportunity, they'll tell you, oh yeah, hurricane. The number of hurricanes has increased every year. It's increased over time because of climate change, and the intensity is because of climate change. But if you go pull the data and you you extend that graph out. Right, the X axis go back to 1750 or go back to 1700, like you should, because weather patterns ha- occur over long periods of time, not short periods of time. You will actually see straight from NASA, straight from NOAA, you will actually see the intensity of hurricanes is actually on a very slow s- decline, as well as the number of storms that hit the U.S. in landfall. Yeah, well, that that's I didn't part hear of much what- about this past hurricane season that was really quiet. Yeah. Well, that, that's part of their strategy is they make it 
more difficult for you or I to explain the truth to someone, like even with COVID right. land, than it it's is marketing. for someone to accept a bumper sticker slogan and just regurgitate it. So right. they, they will sit down, trust the science. Yeah, what does that mean? If I say, well, the real science, listen, Dustin, I don't have time for that, okay? I trust the science. Like, okay, well, what science are you talking about? The real science well, I have so, to explain to you. Yeah. 